Hello, 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 and welcome back. Welcome back. This is Octavia's Parables, our podcast where we are reading Octavia E. Butler's classic text, one chapter at a time. We are currently in the Patternist series in book two, Mind of My Mind. And we're on chapter 11 of part three, which means we are in the next to last episode of our show. Amazing. I can't believe how quickly this is going. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, before we hop into content, any updates or announcements from you, Toshi Reagan? Uh, big announcements, yo. Everybody mm. just occupy <laughs> kindness as much as you can. This world is like, you know, it's talk about yeah. Just occupy kindness. Like, make sure you are getting some nutrients into your Mm. systems. Um, Make sure you you're caring for yourself. Um, Mm. Gathering, doing those simple things, sharing a meal or going for a walk. It doesn't have to be a whole weekend retreat, but like Mm. just some you know continuous nutrients into your systems. Support frontline activists. Like if you're like, oh, I got cash, but I'm not getting up and going anywhere, you know, send some Mm -hmm. of that currency. And then, of course, send all of the other currencies that you, you know, have available. You know, I'm a true believer that artists can make transformation in these kinds of times that feel like the only thing that can be transformative is money or the government or the things like that weapons i think the artists can do it i think communities can do it i think frontline activists can do it and so occupy as many of those spaces as you can and find a little bit of time every day to say something sweet to yourself that's my big announcement like (laughs) this can be the simplest thing but like you know just just say something sweet to yourself. And uh, mm. yeah, that's what I got. I love you, Toshi. Mm-hmm. That was so sweet and unexpected. <laughs> I keep having these these really sweet moments where I'm just like, ooh, be a friend, be kind, like be a nice person. Like we're in that stage of, of the transitions in, in world systems right now. I have... A happy announcement, which is that I just today got really excellent news about the Octavia E. Butler tarot deck, and I'm kind of over the moon swooning about it. Um, Looks like, you know, it's just, it's a lot of moving parts. It's like 20-something people all trying to get lined up to pull this thing off, and Mm -hmm. today it all lined up. So I am happy, really happy today, and really excited to be here with you, Toshi, um, in the the wisdom. So this is a very exciting part of the book. We're here. Let us land in it. Tell us what we're we're up to. What's happening? Oh my goodness. This is like, this is like a great time. And I just really feel for this time because I've had this feeling that I feel that Mary has right now so much. It is like peak adrenaline it's like yes. when you, you know, when someone is trying to keep you from your your purpose and your thing and they think they can do it and you're a little bit swayed by their intention and you have, yeah. you know, you have all this medicine and know-how and you're cult- you're in the biggest state of cultivating that you could be in and then somebody's just trying to hold you back. And it's it's like I this is happening to me so many times, of course. 
I know y'all can resonate with this. So Mary, Doro has just told Mary, like, no, like, stop yeah. doing your pattern patterns, like, stop the patterns, stop going out and saving latents, like, stop everything. And yeah. also it's like, you know, not a temporary, like, okay, stop today and maybe next week, but like 20 years, 20 years. Yeah. And this is basically kind of a death sentence to Mary because simultaneously, Mary is understanding for the kind of being that she is, she actually survives with the, with the pattern. So she actually, and it can't be like a stagnant pattern. It can't be like, oh, I have 20 people and that's enough. If you all remember, it was, I think, seven people at the beginning. Now it's 1,500 people. So she, Mm. and then she has to keep it going and then that sustains her. And then she sustains and feeds the pattern. It's a, you know, That's it's right. a beautiful thing. So she is mad. She is mad, mad, mad at Doro. She finds everything he said unreasonable. And she's trying to figure it out. She gets home and Carl is trying to settle a dispute between some some two patternists. Everything is happening, of course, in the pattern. And so it's easy for her to just be like, I'm not going to worry about that. But she has to tell all her searchers like to stop. And these are the people that she sends out to go and find the latents. And you know the latents that she wants, the latents that are in the worst shape, the latents that are in horrific situations. And so everybody's out there looking for these latents. And then she's like, everybody stop. And of course, huge protest, huge protest. No, we don't want to stop. Like we're on our way. We're working this out. And she can't even navigate that with them. She's like, do it because I said so. And keep it moving. So this is starting, this is like starting the wave of like, there are big problems. And Carl, Carl wants to like understand uh, further what is happening and is like, I'll, I'll support you. I'll listen to you if you want to talk. And she just opens up to him so that she, he can just, just read everything. This is beautiful. Her and Carl have really become a team. And that whole wall of like worry is gone. So, and thank goodness it couldn't have happened at a better time. So, yep. you know, it, it, Carl is focused on this idea of competition and Doro mm-hmm. um, in competition with her. And um, at first, you know, she's like, no, he can't be in competition. Like we're not doing the same thing. But this is the whole discovery to what kind of being Mary actually is and yes. like what her potential actually is. And that, you know, how much she tries to convince him, you know, like, we're not in competition. I'll I'll take these raggedy latents, like, but it starts to come to the surface, especially with the body that Doro had, which was like one of her stepbrother's bodies that maybe these are the bodies that Doro likes the most as well um, when he does his kills. And so... They're more in competition than, than anybody wants to like admit to. Also, there is this part. I'll, I just want to read this because <laughs> Anyamu slash Emma, it just is not a good look for her right now. So here we go. I'll get back to you in a minute. That's what she's saying. She says, you reached, I reached out to the old neighborhood to Emma. I could reach her fast now because she belonged to me. I had a kind mm. of link with her. That would let me know the minute some other patternist touched her and at the same time let the patternist know she was mine. 
I had that kind of connection with Rena too, since she was too old for me to risk her life by trying to push her into transition. So she owns Emma, like just yeah. dig this arc for the Anyanwu Emma character, Parson, you know, I, I feel very bad for him. <laughs> I read that. I was like, no, this isn't this isn't cool. So I'm reading again. I read Emma, saw that Doro had been to see her just a few hours before, and he talked a lot. Now, since he knew Emma was mine, I knew that anything he said to her, I would eventually pick up. I assumed that he had been talking at least partly to me, perhaps more to me than about me. I looked at Carl. This morning, Doro told Emma he was afraid I'd disobey him and this and make him kill me. So Carl's like, obviously, he's wrong. And this is such an, I, I just wonder if you have questions about this idea of fear-based intention that somebody's going to do something to you. And so therefore, you can't get beyond it. And therefore, you just go to murdering right away. I mean, mm. is that maybe mm. happening somewhere in a country called America right now? <laughs> uh, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so she is just swirling with all of this stuff. So Carl and her are just like going back and forth about this. And then here is the thing. Carl is like, don't you think 1500 people might be enough to sustain you? And you know, she really is like, yeah, I I would love to say yes to this, but that that's not how it works. It's that yeah. is not enough. And that she is more like uh, Doro than she'd like to be. Yeah. So in the same way, good people that Doro has to continuously change his body and that when he waits a little bit too long between changing his bodies, he starts to fall apart. Yeah. You know, and if he's like, here's a good explanation. If he's really in trouble, he's liable to lose control and just take whoever's close, closest to him. So, and this is how Doro's whole path began when he was a child. He lost control and he just started taking his mom. Then he took his dad and then he took everybody in the whole place. And, you know, it took him probably years before he figured out, oh, wait a minute. I can just stay in this body and be calm for a minute and make plans. So she can feel the adrenaline when she adds new people that she can, she, she says this eagerness, she can feel this eagerness and she actually hasn't experienced what it would be like not to add to the pattern because she's just been continuously adding people. So it's getting to a very dire situation She's like, I'll try anything within reason, but I don't think anything less than my complete obedience will satisfy him. She has to do whatever Doro says. He needs to be 100% in control. So they're trying to figure out why Doro is so scared. They're like, it might be because you can use these people against him. You can't hurt him by yourself. But she, if she had the whole pattern, maybe should, mm-hmm. maybe she could. So she's like, you know, I'm not trying to risk like all of these things just to like, so, you know, settle this situation. But they start to come to the conclusion that there might need to be a fight. And she's like, you know, it's never been tried before, but I know you couldn't do it. Not even all 1500 of you together, because as far as he's concerned, you wouldn't really be together. 
he just take everybody one at a time. So it's just this idea that Doro could just sweep through the pattern and actually attack the bodies of the people and like save himself, you know? Yeah. So he's like, strength alone isn't enough to defeat me. This is Doro. And part of the reason he, he gave is that, you know, she can't change bodies. So if he can yeah. like get to Mary's body first, then it's a wrap. There won't be anybody to take the pattern potentially until Mary's son, which, you know, they don't say that, but no. that's the first person I think he would go kill. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Carl is like bigging her up and saying he's never faced anyone like you. He doesn't know what's up. You know, a killing is a way of life for him, but he hasn't killed anyone like Mary, who's so close to him. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, I'm not going to give him my life or the lives of the patternists. If I have to fight him, it will be a battle, not a route. And he's like, you'll take strength from us. And then she's like, some of you all, the strongest of us. And he's like, beginning with me. And she nodded, but she knows she will have to use, you know, more than herself to kill kill Doro. So here we go, y'all. Doro stayed at Larkin House that night. We still kept his room ready for him, though he didn't use it much anymore. He didn't intend to use it that night. Instead, he came across the hall to my room. I was sitting in the middle of my bed in the dark, thinking, and he walked in without knocking. He and I had made love. Uh, uh. <laughs> he and I had made love. Yeah. And I know. I'm like, ew, uh. no. <laughs> Don't have sex with your dad, boss oppressor. Yes. Yes. He and I had made love for over a year, but he walked in as though there had been no break at all. Knowing him, I wasn't surprised. He sat on the side of my bed, took off his shoes, and laid down beside me fully clothed. I was stark naked myself. You know, this is just all so problematic. It's the death. It's the competition. It's the it's the Doro is just mm-hmm, so creepy. Mm-hmm. He said, um, <laughs> I checked in on a few of your searchers. He said, I see they're starting starting for home. She didn't say anything. So basically, this is another kind of navigation between Mar- um, Mary and Doro. She's just really trying to make him feel like, I, I don't know, the best way to think about it is safe enough to pull off of his like 20 year plan. So she's just telling him like, you don't actually know what this is. Like you've stayed away from us too long. You're not involved. If you could be involved, if you could see this, if you could, could see how wonderful everything is, if you could see how we're growing things. And Doro just says, no, Um, he's like, it's not going to work, but she still tries. If you get to know us as we are now, Daryl, you might find that we really are the people, the race that you've been working for for so long to build. We already belong to you and you can be one of us. We haven't shut you out. This feels really beautiful to me, like it's an opportunity for a murderer and a rapist to join a family, basically. <laughs> and yes, yes. He's like, no, he's like, it doesn't matter because it's not going to change anything. The order I gave you is final. I'm not going to be talked out of it, not by getting to know your people better, not by renewing my relationship with you. And she's like, well, what are you doing here? Oh, I intend to renew our relationship. I just don't intend to let you charge me for it. These are his words. Mm. Literally, I wrote nasty, 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 like 500 times on this page. Um, So she kicked him out of bed. Get the F out of here. So she kicked him out. She said they were positioned perfectly for it. And she just let it. She let him have it. 
on the side with both feet. Yay. And yes. um, and he's upset. What he, what the hell was that supposed to prove? Anyway, he ignored that and sat down on the bed. And he was like, that was stupid and that was dangerous. And she was like, no, it wasn't. You have some control. You can control your mouth, too, when you want to. <laughs> I mm. love Mary. I love Mary. I love Mary, except for the sleeping with her dad part. I love Mary. So yeah. he said, well, at least you're back to normal. And then she's just, she's kind of over it. She's pleading for my people isn't normal. Acting like a latent isn't acting like a latent is normal. Stay with us, Doral. Get to know us. She's still going on and on. She's offering him such a, a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Y'all know from Anyamu's journeys with Doro that he is not very good at accepting beautiful places. It's just nope. not his not his thing. She kind of says, if you destroy us, you'll be destroying part of yourself. All the time you spent creating us will be wasted. Your long life wasted. Join us. And this was just very triggering for Dora. It was like, you know, I don't know if y'all had this experience when somebody is telling you something, but they're telling you they're better than you at the same time, even if they don't realize it. Like their their vision is so much wider than yours or they... They have an extra idea you didn't think about, and they're kind of like, we could just do this, and you just want to smack them because you're like yeah, yeah. insecure about yourself and don't realize, like, didn't realize their fabulous vision. You get mad and you fire them. Like, so that's, that's right. where Doro is. Doro is basically like, you know, he is burnt. Like, she is too visionary. She sees too big a picture. She has too many answers. His no is not working. And her coming back with this kind of continuous join us, get to know us, get to, is her basically saying, fuck you, I'm not going to do what you say. That's what he hears. Fuck you, I'm not going to do what you say. He basically gets out and leaves the room because he's he's done. He can't really deal with it. So uh, in only 10 days, Carl knew without a doubt that Mary's suspicions have been justified. Mary's falling apart. Like she actually yeah. needs... I mean, 10 days is a very short time. I don't know if they yeah. knew how many days it would take for her, but basically she needs to continuously add to the pattern. Adding. Yeah. It's not like, oh, a year could pass. It's like not even a month could pass, not even two weeks. It just needs to be a continuous situation. So Carl was getting very, very, very worried about her. He really is like, yo, we have to do something about this. He's like to Doro, like, we can't let her just be like this. And Doro's like, I can't afford her unless she can obey me. And he just dismisses this whole idea of saving Mary. So he says no. And Mary is just laying down and trying to, like, keep herself together. And they come to the conclusion that she's going to have to fight Doro. Carl's like, you're going to have to fight and you're going to and you're going to win. You are going to kill him. You're going to do whatever you have to do to kill him. And he's he's pumping her up. You know, the next day, Carl called the family together. Mary had gone to see August and Carl wanted to talk to the others before she returned. She would find out what had been said. He planned to tell her himself, in fact, but he wanted to talk to them first without her. They already knew why why Mary had called in the, her searchers. They didn't like it. Mary's enthusiasm over the patterns had infected all of them. So the whole community is aware of what's happening. 
they're aware of the dynamic that's happening between Mary. They all have our team Mary, you know. So Carl is like, she's going to have to fight Doro. If she disobeys Doro, everybody needs to get ready. That's the short of it. It's actually a, a really long paragraph. But basically, yeah. he is like, y'all get ready because <laughs> if she has to fight him, it's going to be on. So you get to hear from some of these, like, you know, first family of the the pattern. And so Carl is like, you know, basically saying, if you if you don't want to be a part of this, like, get out now. Like, go away. Mm-hmm. And so Seth is like, I'm down. It is like, how can I leave the school and all these children that we have? And Rachel's like, I think Doro made a mistake. I think he's waited too long to do this. I don't see how any one person could resist so many of us. You know, they are all ready to get in there together. They see their strength. They see their togetherness. Think about how this first family came together, people. Mm-hmm. They was trying to get out of there, running for their lives. And now they're like, no, we are family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got all my pattern with me. Pattern with me. Uh-huh. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know. So, so, um, yeah, Jan is even like, I think Doro has made more than one mistake. I think he's wrong to believe that Mary still belongs to him with the responsibility she's taken on for all of us that she's built here. She belongs to us, the people, to all of us. So basically, Mary has got herself. Mary has got her man. Mary has got the pattern. The pattern believes in Mary. And here we are. Here we are at the end of chapter 11. Mm. Ready, ready for what comes next, y'all. I know. I love that. God knows what he'd do if he realized his cattle had finally gotten the nerve That's to it. plot against him. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. It's so, good. so, and I love, like, I just have to say before I get into the questions, I love the multiple levels of this that Mary, that some part of her was still trying to be obedient, that literally, if she could obey him and live, she would. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, she's angry at him. But she's also like, I'm calling them back. You know, like, I I want to protect them. If I can protect them and honor what you're saying. Yeah. You know, this is that fundamental parental piece, mm-hmm. right? Where it's just sort of like, when you're like, the generations that came before us are wrong on some things. But, oh, my God, sometimes, sometimes we fight to the death mm-hmm. to try and obey that before we have to finally say, like, we have to choose life. It just makes me think of queerness and transness and freedom and being a freedom fighter and all of it. That's right. So, okay. So questions I have for our, our listeners here. The first one is, have you ever had to come up against someone who is afraid of your power? Right? I think many of us have this experience, maybe even most of us. And I think it starts very young for most of us. Oh, no. <laughs> you know? Like I feel like the first time I was in a classroom, I, I could feel a teacher was really scared of like my uh, confidence, <laughs> you know, my confidence <laughs> that I was like, I deserve to speak. Um, but but in a real way, right? Like I definitely have had this experience multiple times in my life where I wasn't picking up on that mm-hmm. at first. And then realize like, oh, there's like the reason this all isn't adding up is because I'm not seeing 
that the person's actually afraid of my power, right. <laughs> which I'm not presuming I have, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced that, Toshi? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, all oh, like yeah. all the all the time. I thank God for Bernice Johnson Regan. You know, mm-hmm. but Bernice Johnson Regan just told me like, like, I don't know if she said it when I was in the womb, but she was just like, <laughs> you know, some people are not going to understand your flow, and you just need to keep flowing anyway. And yeah, my parents said the same thing. I think Jane and Jerry Brown were just sort of like, it's not up to them. They don't have to live your life. Yeah. You have you have to fully occupy what you've got to give here. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I've had mm. I've had educators in particular, but in most parts of my life, I, I have people try to put me in a box and it like like literally one educator, you know, was basically brought me into the office and was like, you can't you're not allowed to be in these particular spaces on a campus. Mm. You're not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to have more, more than two people around you at a time. Cause you know, I was out like with oh, yeah, like, you're building your pattern. yeah, I was building a pattern <laughs> with, with my acoustic guitar and Neil Young songs. So, mm. and they were like, no, you, you, you can't do this. You can't do that. And I was like, wait. Are you trying mm-hmm. to enact Jim Crow laws on, on me? And I said that yeah. in a meeting. And they were like, what? And I was like, I hear Jim Crow laws. I hear you making yeah. Jim Crow laws. I was like, I'm going to sue you. And I'm going to go home and tell my mother. And then we're going <laughs> to we're gonna show up tomorrow with lawyers. I didn't know if that would happen or not. But I was like, we're going to come tomorrow with lawyers. And I did. I went mm-hmm. home and told my mom. My mom like laughed hysterically for like 20 minutes. And I don't know what she did, because I'm sure she yeah. did something. But the next day, it was like it was gone. <laughs> it's yes. like gone. They're like, we're sorry. It was gone. <laughs> She's like, don't. We examined our like, <laughs> tendencies. And we got ourselves. She together. was like, don't worry about this. She's and then she told yeah. me she said they're scared of you, and it never occurred to me yeah. like the, that people could be scared of me when I was that young, and they were like much older than me. But she's like, oh no. She's like, they're scared of you right now. Like self possession mm-hmm. can be really terrifying for some. So, and I love that too. <laughs> I absolutely love that because I think the parents, you know, there's times when they have to go in and fight the fight, mm-hmm. and there's times when they're the ones who are like, "You don't. I need to help you understand a little bit about yourself here." Yes. Anyone who would walk in and be like in a meeting, like, "Oh, we're suing you," and not understand that they might be scared of you. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it, baby Toshi. Um, yeah. So this is a good one. I want folks to just think about. I think this is also always our circumstance, you know, those of us who are small and mighty and trying to organize against really big powers, that there's a million places where we are surrendering those powers before we ever come up in the big fight. So just really pay attention to, you know, even how are you teaching your children to be obedient? Mm -hmm. Are you teaching them to be in their power? Mm -hmm. You know, are you interacting with your friends in ways that help them like toe the line or are you interacting with your friends in ways that support them to fully embody their power Mm -hmm. with your lovers, with your family, right? Like how do we keep inviting each other's power forward? Mm -hmm. So the next question I have is, have you ever had someone stop you from saving others? Mm. Right? Because what's happening to Mary, you know, she has a need, but then she's also really cultivated this paternal, maternal, paternal energy for her people and for all the people who are out there suffering where she's like, I know exactly what can relieve that suffering. I know how to give them peace. 
how to help them find a role that is satisfying in this world. Right. That's a really important thing. And, you know, is there codependency in the pattern, dependency in the pattern? Absolutely. This is a complex thing. And undeniably, she can help these people. Like there's something about, you know, the sensateness of it all. That's like they are benefiting from the pattern. And she's more moved into action to protect them than she is to protect herself mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. So have you had that feeling where you're like, I'm, I'm actually trying to help this person or help someone and this system or this person is getting in the way of that. Right. Yeah. 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 And then we've talked about this before. I talk about this a lot. I think about this a lot, but how big does your pattern need to be for you to feel sustained? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So seven wasn't enough for her. 1500 wasn't enough for her. Yeah. She needs more. Right. And I always think about this for like the super mega pop star, you know, Beyonce just got crowned the number one pop star of the century. And I think like about really it. early in the century. <laughs> it's very early in the century. And yet, <laughs> you know, it doesn't even feel gauche, right? Yeah. It's just like, well, you know, but I think about, I'm like, oh, how many people have to be in that pattern, have to be in that hive? How, how many people have mm-hmm. to be in it? And you know, for someone like me, I'm like, oh, my pattern is, is again, like 20 people are in that intimate part of my pattern where I'm like, I'm opening what she does with Carl. You know, I'm like, I open to them. I let them see what's happening behind the mask, behind the projection, behind anything else. I'm right. like, here's what it's actually like. And how many people do you need at that level, right, to make you feel sustained? What happens when you don't get that, right, when you don't have those numbers met? Mm. Just noticing all that for you. Who do you fully trust to hold you in your big emotions? Mm -hmm. Who can you fully open up to? Mm -hmm. And again, when I ask these questions, you can sit, you can reflect on it, you can see who comes to mind. You can draw an image of your pattern, which I I deeply recommend at some point before this book is done, draw your pattern. Right. Right? Maybe it's concentric circles. Who is in your pattern? How are they connected to you, to each other? And is the pattern big enough for you Mm. or is it too big, right? Are you able to sustain this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I love that you asked this question because I was like the Doro question. This is the way I put it. Where do you see Doro's style of predictive and projected fear-based violence Mm. in our current political landscape? (laughs) (laughs) So it's that, right? That I'm like, you know, this has always been the case of like, you know, it's like black people were not being some terrifying thing, right? White supremacy was formed of like, oh, black people, you know, we are going to imagine this horrific, scary thing. And then we're going to create this pattern of cross-racial slavery to navigate that projected fear and predictive, like we're predicting your behavior. And then we're going to be violent in reaction to it, even though there's no ground for it. Now we live in this circumstance where we have all particularly this huge body of white men who are just doing this all over the place. Mm-hmm. Thank God they don't have the level of power that Doro has, but they're not powerless either. That's right. And they're trying to form a pattern of this fear-based violence, and we have to form our own pattern of life against that, right? Mm. So just really notice, like, hmm, what are the politics of that fear-based violence in our current political landscape right now? Where do you see that? Well, you, um, you know, yeah. I want to do a side 
I don't know what it is, a side podcast or a side mm-hmm. something with you on this. Because I really, I really want us to see the connection to our current, mm-hmm. you know, our current world and the occupation of laws, rules, then yes. mixed with this, that whole network of fear-based execution yes. and violence. And then yes. where we see ourselves in it and what our possibilities are, like, like how confused, yeah. you know, so many people are about it. Well, I mean, there's so many aspects of it that really scream from this text, like the fact that the rules are always changing, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh, the rules are always changing. What's logical is changing such that as we are taping this, you have people who are hyper conservative, hyper right, right wing saying defund the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't even get it out without laughing because I'm just like, someone has got y'all so fucked up right now that you don't make sense. Like there's week to week, y'all's logic doesn't add up, but you can't see it. So I'm like, that's when you know you're in someone else's control pattern. Like you really, your mind is being messed with. Like these are the folks who are like, you know, you're being treated like mutes in a system. Mm -hmm. And there's something really you need to really pay attention. Yeah. Like you know, I'm like if if you're like struggling to make sense of <laughs> your own thought patterns, you might be in someone else's pattern, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other the other thing that feels really big to me is the focused desire of reproductive rights, mm-hmm. right? That it's like, oh, who is who is handling this? Who is controlling this? Treating it like a breeding system, right? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> as a non breeder. You cannot treat me this way, right. but that urge is in that same Doro piece, which is like, if we don't control the population, we're going to lose control of the society. And when once that clicks, that narrative clicks into place, Yes. rather than, you know, what we're all saying is there's nothing wrong with living in a much more diverse society. It's actually like what y'all have done is a mess and it doesn't work. And that's why everyone's miserable. And there's another way. Yep. There's other options. Yep. You know, that's yep. the most terrifying idea is that they could be irrelevant and not at the top of, of this projected food chain. So yeah, we can side podcast and I'm excited to see how our readers take this on mm-hmm. because this is this is the heart of it all. Absolutely. So, and and like inside of it, really ask yourself, what is Doro really scared of? Like keep asking that question and then looking up at our political landscape. What are they scared of? What are white men most afraid of? What are white women most afraid of, mm-hmm. right? What are these alpha males like most afraid of? Mm-hmm. The the toxic masculinity practitioners. What are they actually really scared about, right? Those who who are really trying to control other people's lives and other people's bodies. What's up with that, right? When you're transphobic, what are you actually scared of? Mm-hmm. Right, because there's so much fear that like has nothing the fuck to do with you. But what are you actually scared of? Yeah, because there is something in, about you in it. Right. So what is what are you actually scared of? So get into it. Get into it. Mm-hmm. All right. So then the other two, though, I have two last questions. One is one that I always have at this point about Mary and the pattern. Right, because it's like the fact that Mary is so deeply impacted by not being able to grow the pattern that it's like she needs to be expanding. I'm like, is the pattern in Mary or is Mary in the pattern? Right? Like what is the relationship between this woman 
and this pattern. And like when it first pops off, it's like, oh, there's this pattern. And Mary's like a powerful player in it. But then it's like, she's beyond a player. Right. Like there's a way that every aspect of this pattern roots into her. There's nothing in the pattern that's not touching her and flowing in and through her. And so just think for yourself, you know, come to some conclusions around how you see this working because it matters, right? Is if we're not replaceable, then our pattern is not really a liberated space. Mm-hmm. And I think Octavia is giving us the trouble here. She's like, I really want you to wrestle with what is the, what is the relationship of the, the people in this pattern? What is the relationship of Mary to the pattern? Mm. And then my final question is, do you have an accurate understanding of your power, an accurate assessment of your power, both individually and in your individual life and relationships and collectively, where you fit into a larger collective body? Do you have a sense of powerlessness, powerfulness, something in between, right? Mm. Are you using your power or are you being obedient? Without meaning to, <laughs> right? Because, you know, we have a tendency with this podcast towards the powerfulness. Mm-hmm. And we hope that we're generating more and more of an assessment of powerfulness here. But something that you have to determine, dear listener. So that is chapter 11. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we love y'all. And the next episode is going to be the final one. We're heading to chapter 12 in the epilogue. So come on back. Uh, We are hosted by myself, Adrian Marie Brown, and the beloved and sweet and delightful Toshi Regan. I don't think I even said that at the top. Yeah, but we got into it special. I mean, we just got, they know. They they know. know. Okay. I was like, if you don't know me by now. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You will will never, 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 never know me. Okay. Uh, Our producers. (laughs) That song, song. now I've got to go listen to that song. (laughs) I was like, wait, that song is one of the best songs of all time. Yes. Um, and I, I feel that song every day. <laughs> our producer is Kat Aaron, our show artist from Krista Franklin. We are transcribed by Jess Pinkham and Sarah Rubbins Breen. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Oparables and at patreon.com slash Oparables if you want to become a long-term supporter of our continuous work. And transcripts for every single episode we've ever done Live at readingoctavia.com. Mm-hmm. And music for Octavia's Parables is You Don't Know the Time, written and performed by Toshi Regan, and The Sower Song, which uh, is by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, recorded at Memorial Hall, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Yay. Boom. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed.